0: of the day that's that's what we're all here to do is be a better you and and us as women working in sports there are so many women out there
1: all right fans it's game time with women wins that's women working in sports with sarah and sarah i'm sarah without an h and
0: i'm sarah with an h and we are women wins helping all women win in the sports industry
1: All right, friends, we're back. It's game three. That's episode three of Women Wins with Sarah and Sarah. And we are very excited for you to tune in to this week's episode with a great guest and very, very informative, very inspirational. And it just leaves us in a good place as women as we continue to strive in this workspace. So, but let's get to the fun stuff. Sarah, how was your week?
0: My week was great, Sarah. Uh, But I'm mostly excited about my future week. Our team gets to compete now for the first time since 2019, so it's officially volleyball season. So all the weeks are going to be good after this for sure. What about you, Sarah? How was your week?
1: This week was great. Um, Our men's basketball team is uh, still on a winning streak, so. Anybody out there that's working in marketing, that is probably one of the best things that you can be a part of is when your team is on a huge winning streak. There are there is some big news in the baseball world. Yeah. So going for our news
0: of the week, another awesome hire. And you know what is even cooler? It's another Sarah being hired. As another well. Sarah. So the Milwaukee Brewers have named Sarah Goodrum as their minor league hitting coordinator. This makes her the first woman to hold that job for an MLB organization.
1: Mm -hmm. And Sarah had a very successful collegiate career at Oregon. And she was a part of the softball team there. As a past chapter of my career working in baseball, I know it can be very... It can be very eye opening when, um, you know, folks in the baseball world see women, you know, being successful, especially in coaching. So I'm very excited to see her excel in this new position. I'm glad you brought that up, Sarah, because I think
0: Sarah Goodrum actually really phrases that well for women going forward. She says, the most eye-opening thing for me is that especially with the players who are coming up now, they don't care if you're a man or a woman. If you can provide them guidance that is going to help them accomplish their dream of making it to the big leagues, they don't care. Yep. I think that says amazing things about the upcoming generation, is that they just they just want you to help make them better. They don't care if you're a man or a woman. They just want you to know what you're talking about.
1: Mhm. Goes back to our first episode when you shared with the listeners how you just want to have an extra seat at the table. So, uh, I do want to just make sure everybody knows Sarah spells her name without an H. So. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) So best of luck to Sarah. I can't wait to hear about her experiences, and hopefully one day she'll be on Women Wins. Well, Sarah, I know this week you've got a great playlist to share with us. So what are your songs for this week? I do, um, and I've shared this before, my music library is very eclectic, and I know I have some... Some playlists listed on the website. I'm getting ready to develop this one, so I'm pretty excited about it. It's my Sarah Soul and Funk list. Um, I love a good beat. I know I've said that too. Um, I also love using a stand up desk. I like something that can make me move, maybe my shoulders and my hips sometimes. So. Um, I like that so anyways my soul and funk list okay these might be oldies to some of you out there but uh, they're definitely goodies so my and this is actually my ultimate favorite song too and it's get down on it with cool and the gang you probably heard it at a wedding but it's it is definitely one of the best (laughs) um the next song is James Brown, Get Up Off Of That Thing. And I make our music guy in game, probably play that at least once or twice a night <laughs> at our events. So um, that is a, a good one too. Cause I, I like music that can touch all different ages, right? So to look up into the stands and you can see an older fan enjoying the song. And then also to see a college kid shaking it, that's what always brings a smile to my face. So James Brown. Um, The next one is Move On Up with Curtis Mayfield. That is definitely a good, smooth, kind of makes you feel like you're the boss. And um, I know everybody's heard this one before, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough by Michael Jackson. I'm sure you danced to that, didn't you? <laughs> of course. I think I've danced to all these songs. <laughs> oh, good. Good, good. And my um, the last one on this list is Shaka Khan, I'm Every Woman. And I know that might sound fitting, obviously, for what we're doing. But when I hear Shaka Khan sing, I obviously think I can sing like her. <laughs> <laughs> and that is not the truth. But... I, um, I like to think I can. So, yeah, so that's Sarah's soul and funk list. We will add more to that as uh, weeks go by. It's just something new for your ear. I, I love to shake it up every once in a while. So. so we're moving on to inspiration. Let's talk about our inspiration for the week. What was yours, yeah. Sarah? I have been so fortunate over the past year to really grow our marketing team and what i mean by marketing team these are not full-time employees these are volunteers they're interns they're students some i actually have a young lady that graduated last year so these are young individuals that just want to gain experience so we have weekly marketing team zoom meetings and again i want to tell you these are these are folks with all different backgrounds, right? And they've probably never experienced a setting like this where it's so much engagement and dialogue because I think it's very important for young adults to be able to carry a conversation. I know that it has become a lot of texting and emailing and sometimes folks just forget about how to, how to talk and carry that conversation on so, we have all different ages, different years of being in school. Like I said, one young lady's graduated. But everybody's talking, and it's, it's smooth. But we're talking about different topics in marketing. And, but I also talk about leadership and life, and I think that's important. And this week, we talked about positive energy. And just like you know Coach Giselle said last week, You know your energy, you can see it, you wanna be positive, it's contagious. This is a John Gordon um, exercise, but it it was an email actually that was sent out earlier in the week, I think it was on Monday. And it was talking about positive positive energy and there were several paragraphs and I made each of them read a sentence in it. And it, it made us come together as a team and I know some people might have been nervous, but just that little exercise, you could tell a huge difference because they were vulnerable in front of each other. They probably haven't read out loud in front of a group since what? Middle school, high school? I don't know. But you could see by the end how their attitude and how they, their positive energy was definitely increased. And because that one little team exercise brought them together. So we went on with our conversation. Like, it's just, it's amazing to build that camaraderie amongst strangers that have never met in person. I mean, some of them have. Some of them do have to work on site in person and help with games. But yeah, it's, it's, and I'm really excited to see it continue to grow because we went from eight individuals to now we're close to 15 and sky's the limit. This is, this is obviously men and females, but it's still, it's a lot of fun. We bring us again, going back, we're all at the table. We're all creating dialogue. We're all creating ideas. So.
0: You know, Sarah, I'm glad that you talk about positivity to your interns because that's something that is really important to everybody in their everyday life and uh, Coach though. What she said last week has been sticking with me ever since. She said, your day will go the direction of the corners of your mouth. And if you start your day just with a frown, thinking it's going to be bad, then it's going to be bad, likely. But taking that positive outlook, and John Gordon has so many great things that I encourage everybody to read at least
1: a couple of his books. You can actually sign up for a weekly, I guess, newsletter, positive message every week. So I, I got one this morning. So I think some weeks you get two. I think it's called Daily Positive. I think you can sign
0: up for that and you get a positive message Monday through Friday. Yep. And it, you can follow him on Twitter too. He always has a little positive anecdotes for everybody as well. My inspiration this week, I'm actually really excited to share because it's a little bit two-part. My inspiration is a phone call that I had with my sister yesterday. So I'm the oldest of three. My sister's five years younger than me and my brother's seven years younger than me. But my sister calls me and she's like, I know that I'm a little late but I'm listening to your first podcast. (laughs) And I just had to call you and share a story. She was like, I'm listening to Celia talk. And she's talking about her friend in the Air Force and her experience with being humiliated and then deciding that that's not how she was going to to be an instructor as well. And she was like, that really hit me deep because that's such a huge thing in the military and in coaching and just for some background my sister is in the army reserves and she also is a high school volleyball coach so she's seen that from both sides but she was like there's a lot of people who think that if that's what happened to you like for example Celia's friend She was humiliated in order to be taught a lesson. It's a lot of people that would say, well, because I went through this, then the people I'm teaching have to go through it as well. Um, Kind of this like initiation type mindset. And it's really toxic. And it's a problem that really has some ground to to be fixed in coaching. and, And she said, even in the military too. be ready, be willing to decide for yourself how you want to teach Uh, instead of just relying on your past experiences. So I appreciate my sister for sharing that. And even more so, Sarah, I think it really made me excited because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get conversation going. Like we're trying to, we don't want you guys to just listen to us. We want to keep the conversations going.
1: And so with that, we're going to start something new. So we want you to send in your real life experiences. I think we find ourselves having conversation about all these different scenarios that we might be facing each day. And so that is definitely a goal. Women Wins is a platform where you can feel comfortable and share that with us and we can have dialogue. And you probably would surprise yourself that you're not alone. And we are here to support you. So we're all trying to grow and let's grow from, from
0: all of our experiences. So whatever episode you're listening to, if something just flips a switch in your brain and you're like, I have a story that relates to that, just share it with us. And we'll share it here on the show as well. So you can send in your stories to Info at gmail.com. Or you can send us a DM on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, however best you choose. We would love to hear your stories and give you a shout out and keep that conversation going about women working in sports and our experiences.
1: Yeah. And alongside that, speaking of social media, we want you to take pictures of your game day or practice or day at the office and tag us. Uh, we would love to spotlight other women working around the globe. And you know, show them some love. Tag Women Wins on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And we got you covered. You know what we didn't do yet? We didn't do off the court. So, Sarah, my off the court this week would have to be, I would probably be a bad daughter if I didn't spotlight. Good old Mary. And so for those folks that are close to me, my mom, I call her Mary a lot, but I do call her mom. We have a very special relationship, special bond. She is the funniest person to FaceTime. She, um, she's getting ready to turn 75. And I tell you, she's still she's still moving and grooving. You know, just thinking about my life off the court. My mom's been such an inspiration with my love of decorating and color and having an eye for things. And I, I, I'm so grateful that she really embedded that in me at a younger age that I do have those interests because I think those are strengths that can separate you, especially in sports. You know, she taught me The way things should be positioned or a banner should be spaced out or, you know, I mean, she didn't teach me that specifically, but different scenarios can um, shed off each other. So Mary's my girl. She is so talented. She is an artist. She is a grandmother. She is a mom. Of course, she's a wife. My parents have been together for, oh gosh, they just had an anniversary. I think it's 55 years. So, yeah. But I'll give a special shout out to my dad one day um, soon. But today's off the court is Sarah without an H, her mother, Mary Hacker. So I love you, Mom.
0: Well, my uh, off the court this week, I was just going to talk about how I love to cook. I do. And Sarah knows I also like to host uh, back when we could host parties and stuff pre-COVID. Sure, I'll be wanting to do that again, post-COVID. <laughs> Fun fact about me is I was a business major in college, but I actually had a concentration
1: in hospitality management. Now, I wanted and- to make sure you shared that. Again, that tells everybody, you are not handcuffed in what you got your, you received or earned your degree in. The world is so big, you can explore everything. So anyways, and she's coaching volleyball. Two, two different types of volleyball, and marketing, and a sports podcast. <laughs> I'm. Yeah.
0: I'm- I'm so thankful for that uh, area of concentration and a big part of that was my professors. I just really enjoyed my professors in the business and hospitality department. It's amazing how much you use things. There's definitely things I learned in management classes that helped me with coaching volleyball that you would never correlate at the time. Part of hospitality management is I got to take some cooking classes. So I took two cooking classes in college but when my husband and I got married, I really kind of jumped into it. And my mom always cooked a lot growing up. So um, shout out to my mom as well this week. I love to be creative. I love to not follow recipes. Cooking (laughs) with vibes. (laughs) Yeah, so... I I really like to take chances. And another fun fact is I'm actually a pescatarian. I've been pescatarian for almost two years now. So that's provided even another route to be a little bit more creative in cooking and finding different vegetarian things to make. Although I'll still make meat things when people are coming over. Um, She does, she does. (laughs) But I love cookbooks. Uh, Obviously I love Pinterest and Food Network. Every Sunday I watch Food Network, I I love to be able to look at a recipe and be like, well, I don't have half these ingredients, but I have these things. So we'll try to go with this.
1: I'm going to do a little segue right there because that there was a scenario um, every live or home event or any type of athletic event you're going (laughs) to have. There's going to be times that things don't line up just like Sarah's recipe. And I never thought of looking at it like that. But that is so true. Don't let what is the protocol or what is listed on a recipe stop you from making out what your real vision is. So that was cool, Sarah. Thanks for that. (laughs) We're just all over the place, everybody.
0: (laughs) Sarah, I don't know about you, but I love Coach Giselle.
1: (laughs) Aren't you glad I introduced you?
0: I have listened to her talk over and over and I'm gonna I'm gonna give her credit for everything she said but I have a list of all of her phrases that she uses that I just I can't wait to apply to my yeah. life as well.
1: I remember the first day I met her it was like we have known each other for years. You know those people that make you feel that way? I hope I do that. But um
0: well, it's all about the kind of hell that you bring, right?
1: That's Yeah. That yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. You know, when I was at East Tennessee State, looking back, her and our golf coach were the only two female coaches. But she never let that stop her. She took the bull, the, uh, bull by the horn. So um, I, I hope our listeners enjoyed that conversation, um, talking about – being grateful and um, staying competitive and don't let the level play or what you're identified as be something that holds you back go up against the best of the best or you know that's just in writing that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be the best of the best that day
0: Absolutely. And one of the things that I just want to reflect on real quick is that Coach Azelle said that she wants to be at the middle of the ladder so that she can help pull those behind her up and help push the people to keep climbing. I Just saying it out loud kind of gives me chills again. So we want to thank uh, Coach Azelle um, and hopefully we can have her back again sometime.
1: Yeah, make sure to follow her on her social media. She's probably... Gonna yell at me, but I keep putting her Insta handle out there. She is on Instagram at Brittany Iselle, and make sure you spell that correctly, just like Sarah without an H. That's B R I T T N E Y E Z E L L. So, um, check her out.
0: So now we're going to start with our rapid rundown on Beth the Bush. She grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, just two blocks from the Packers Stadium. In high school, she played golf, and very interestingly, she was a synchronized swimmer. After graduating high school, Beth wasn't sure that sports was a career that women could go into yet, so she went to St. Mary's College in Indiana, got her master's degree at Notre Dame, and then also her law degree at Notre Dame. After graduating, she pursued her law career before a friend convinced her to look into the world of intercollegiate athletics. So Beth was hired as an assistant AD at Vanderbilt, then moved on to work for the Southeastern Conference, and then moved on to the NCAA after that. In 2009, Beth became the first female commissioner of the Ohio Valley Conference and only the seventh full-time commissioner in conference history. Beth has been at the OVC ever since then and accomplished a lot of great things along the way. We can't wait to hear her story and hear her message. So we can't wait to hear from you, Beth. Beth, you have a story that is unique and inspiring and has really kind of paved a way um, for young women learning their way through athletics. So we are happy to welcome Beth DeBush, Commissioner
2: for the I'm Wild delighted. Valley
0: Conference.
2: I'm delighted to be with you today and certainly commend you on your effort with the podcast. What a wonderful way to send messages of inspiration and encouragement uh, to all your listeners. So again, really privileged to be a part of this today.
1: I don't know why I had never seen that story, the Nashville story um, on the Tennessean that video was awesome. I think it was all women leaders in Nashville. Okay. And it was your story.
2: That was, so I will share that with you. The experience of doing that is really quite profound. If you ever have a chance to do something like that, and I can explain it to you, but for your student athletes, it, it may be really a really healthy exercise, or even for some of your younger coaches to have to do that the ability to do that is really kind of disconcerting and in a way. And so, you know, we are talking about gender and inclusion and stuff like that and having to do that the day I, I was part of that. And I don't know if you saw, I mean, I, I may have been white, middle-aged, well-educated, you know, social economic fine woman. So there was almost this embarrassment of privilege that for me, really, I had to like, grow comfortable with and really felt very sheepish in this process and so it was a very emotionally uncomfortable situation like oh what well, was me but that you appreciate that aspect of it is as well just that that acceptance of privilege and in understanding and and accepting that's who you are in that in that setting as well but just the ability to comfortably tell a story about yourself oh yeah as, as many years as i've been around was really quite a stretch. And so that's why I think for young women, especially to be able to be put in that environment and forced to be able to tell their story, maybe, maybe um, just a, just a tremendous exercise to have them embrace, embrace their strengths.
0: Why don't you tell us about your path, how you came to be where you are? I know both Sarah and I enjoyed that video of your interview with the, the Tennessean, and we'd love for everybody else to hear that great story.
2: Sure. No, I'm happy to tell my story and mine is one of blessings. Mine is one of blessings and also um, good chances. And so I think the real takeaway for me is you can plan, but there are things that will come up in life that may send you on a different course. So if you're fortunate and have the opportunity to allow the course take you where it will, life can surprise you and be better than you ever imagined. Um, as you shared, I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, what a wonderful place to grow up if you like the cold and the snow, but it's a terrific community and sport really is very much a part of that community. Um, my dad was a coach and um, certainly sports was always part of the dialogue in the house. I was an only child and so I got exposure to go to football games as a little kid um, and started to play golf as a very young woman growing Up in that family. I certainly didn't think of pursuing a career in sport. Uh, it was just something you did because it was fun and it was a part of what our family did. Um, as I think about my life, and I felt uncomfortable saying this, but when challenged on this issue, part of the reason why I didn't probably think about sport as a career is given my age, there just weren't a lot of women involved in sport. So there weren't a lot of role models, if you will. Um, if you, the adage, you have to see it to be able to do it. Um, So I don't think of myself as as a trailblazer in any way, but I am blessed that there are enough examples to um, contemplate maybe there could be something to do with sport in my life. Um, When I went to college, I um, dabbled around with club golf. I'm old enough that that there wasn't a varsity golf team, but candidly, I wouldn't have been good enough to to make it. So uh, I dabbled around with that. I also wrote sport and certainly that. For a publication at the university, certainly the community of Notre Dame and St. Mary's sport really uh, was important. And so, my whole entire life, I've I've lived someplace where where, where sport was important. Um, I ended up going to law school and um, planned on being a practice attorney, a practicing attorney. Uh, and certainly was very fortunate to be able to do that, but found it didn't quite give me that same level of joy that I had had for for my life up until that point. Um, I was going through a leadership training program. Lots of communities have them through the Chamber of Commerce uh, in where I lived in the Atlanta area, and met a, a man who was part of my class who was a an assistant athletics director. And at the time, number one, I thought he was so much older than I was. He ended up being two years older than I ended up being or am. Um, he also, um, I just thought he was the bomb. He had this, the greatest job ever. And he was really encouraging to me and said, you know, don't you pursue a career doing something in college sports? So it's worth noting that because if I don't go in that leadership program and if I don't meet him as a friend and just open myself up to talking to him about opportunities and ideas, I never go on this path. He doesn't shove me, I don't shove myself in that direction. He helps shove me in that direction to look and explore. Um, Based on his encouragement, I started looking for jobs in intercollegiate athletics and there is a benefit of youth and that I had enough confidence and ignorance that I didn't know what I didn't know. So I applied for jobs that maybe I was qualified for Um, But as I would have gotten older, I may have had more trepidation about applying because I couldn't check every box on the application. Because I was young and and green to it all, I applied for jobs and went for it with a wide-eyed openness that put me in positions to be considered. And so I think there's a little takeaway there to say, not to apply for jobs that you're not qualified for, but not to hold yourself back because you can't check every single box in an application. So I applied for a job in in the compliance realm thinking my law degree would be helpful and ended up getting my first position at Vanderbilt University and worked for some tremendous people and did have some terrific female role models in addition to good male role models that really pulled me along and took care of me. And I learned from them the importance of trying to take care of people in their career and pull them up and just taking the time for kindness because I've certainly been blessed by a lot of tremendous people. Um, When I was at Vanderbilt, I got approached by the Southeastern Conference to consider a job there by the commissioner uh, then, who was a gentleman by the name of Roy Kramer, who was the most powerful man in intercollegiate athletics at the time. And he came and saw me and he sat down in my office and he said, you know, would you come down to Birmingham to talk to me? It probably sounds funny in this day and age saying it, but for a girl from Green Bay to contemplate moving to Birmingham, Alabama, to work for the Southeastern Conference was just—I was so young at the time—was just a different universe, and you know, really a scary step. But it seemed like such a wonderful opportunity; um, I couldn't pass it up, and it really was. So I think, really, my takeaway from that experience was, gosh, I'm so glad that that I you took the chance and went to Birmingham and learned from him, and. Um, he really was just a, just a tremendous leader in intercollegiate athletics, so learning more about sport and about the big picture of intercollegiate athletics ended up being really important and it helps me to this day in this role. And I would say to anybody, coach, administrator, uh, it's, it's easy to get pigeonholed in your area. You're doing compliance, focus on compliance, or marketing, focus on marketing, coaching, you're worried about your team, and all of that's important, but if you can Keep current with the big issues and pay attention to what's going on in intercollegiate athletics more broadly. It helps you day in and day out do your job because you understand how the pieces fit together Um, But it also puts you in a better position for success because you you do have that bigger sense of what's going on in intercollegiate athletics. You know, today we're facing all the issues of name, image, and likeness, and it would be really easy for folks to just focus on their teams or focus on their next project, but we all – Owe it to ourselves to think through what we think the best, issue, the best solutions are because we're the keepers of this enterprise for the future and make sure that we put plans in place and systems in place that will sustain so those that come behind us can have the benefit of intercollegiate athletics and participation. Um, had a spot at the NCAA and um, gosh what a wonderful place to work because it teaches professionalism and just making sure that you are attentive to the many constituents that um, make up the the diversity of the National Collegiate Athletic Association. So to the interesting probably part of the story that you want me to talk about, because I rambled on you. Um, So I'm at the NCAA and um, there are a couple females that all of a sudden get hired for commissioner's jobs and I get approached by a couple different representatives, university presidents to say to me, do you know anybody who might be interested in applying for a commissioner's job? And I don't know that they were asking me if I was interested in applying, but one would think if I would have had my wits about me that they were probably inquiring whether I might be interested in applying. So I'd answer their question and come up with all kinds of names of people that I thought may be good and never really thought of myself. And, you know, there's really a level of disappointment now that I look back at it that it never even cost my mind to put my name in the mix because I would have been interested, but I just wasn't thinking that there were opportunities for females in that way because there were so few. And then I saw a couple of my friends get hired and the light bulb went off that, Beth, you need to put your name in. So I, I like sharing that story just to remind folks, don't hold yourself back. Oftentimes, we're the ones that hold ourselves. Us, our own selves back just because we, we, we question or we, we don't envision something for our future. So I applied for the job here at the Ohio Valley Conference and was fortunate enough to um, be given the offer and I remember vividly um, during the interview process spending time talking to Dr. Andrews at lunch and meeting his wife and they were so kind and gracious and I thought they're really being generous. What's, what's happening here? Is something, is something really going to take and um, they offered me the position and it was a Sunday night and I was scheduled to go back to Indianapolis and I was delighted and scared both. And I was frantic to get back to Indianapolis to talk to my bosses. And I said um, to the folks here at the OBC, I will get back to you within a day with my answer. But what I forgot is we had a staff retreat that day at the NCAA and I was so conflicted as to just because I love my job at the NCA and I knew this was a tremendous opportunity. So I went to the retreat and I silently had tears rolling down my face and I didn't realize it and I probably looked like an old punk rock band with mascara rolling down my face, saying to everybody I was fine. Why are you asking me and I left the retreat and I went and sat on a bench in front of where we were having the, treat, the retreat in Indianapolis and I thought about it and I thought I have to take this opportunity, whether, whether I have doubt or not, I have to do it for myself because at that time there just wasn't that opportunity for women and um, I, so I had an obligation to myself but I had an obligation to other women as well to take that so opportunities continued to do that. And I think I would have been the sixth overall female commissioner, certainly the first for the OBC. And since that time, oh my heavens, there've been so many other females that have been hired in these commissioner roles. And we really do have a tremendous network. And um, I am so glad I did it. It was such the right decision. And I been so blessed to be able to work here. Again, that sense of responsibility, I'm really glad it drove me and it overrode any anxiety or doubt that I had. And certainly to this day, I still feel a a level of that sense of responsibility, but I'm also kind of glad that it's old news. I used to always get introduced as the female commissioner. And nowadays I'm just the commissioner. The gender really doesn't matter.
1: And that's how it definitely should be. Uh, I know that, um, you know, part of Women Wins, we wanna really allow young women to know what different jobs are out there and what are available. So as we continue on this conversation, you know, talk about a day in the life of a commissioner. I mean, I know there's a, a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of successes. There's a lot of uh, problem shooting, but uh, kind of give us a little, little inside look on what it is.
2: Yeah. So the only thing that's consistent is no days, no days the same, right? Um, <laughs> So that makes, that, makes it, that makes it fun. It sometimes makes it stressful, but certainly try to embrace that aspect of it, the fact that it's always changing. I think the thing that probably best describes what it's like to be in this role is you're working with a whole bunch of different constituent groups that have different viewpoints. And the fact they have different viewpoints really makes it absolutely fascinating. I can look at an issue and think the answer is very clear. Of course, we will do this. And the perspective changes with each group in which you interface. And as you both know, in intercollegiate athletics, so many different groups touch a decision that we may make. That what seems like a right decision for one may be completely wrong for others. So Having people see all angles of an issue and trying to work through issues so people can understand there may need to be compromised to get to a resolution that's best for the whole is a fascinating exercise. I work for the university presidents and work with them, uh, work with all the other constituent groups from ADs to coaches groups, um, student athletes when I can, would like to be able to see student athletes more. There's also a community role to all of this and that the conference needs to interface with local communities and I need to be out and about, uh, separate from the pandemic, invisible to help promote the league as well. So I think the best example to help people visualize is we had a lot of debate in this league about whether we should play games on Thursday nights in football. Uh, The presidents were kind of mixed on the decision because of issues on campus. Could you find parking in some schools? The athletics directors, depending on where they were, some liked Thursday because they had competition in their community. Others uh, didn't like Thursdays at all because they couldn't get any fans to attend. Uh, The student athletes didn't necessarily like it because it interfered with their class time. Coaches wanted to make sure if it was Thursday or Saturday, they had equal prep time. So again, it's a really simple issue. Do you play on Thursday nights? And it had a lot of emotion and different perspectives as to what was important. it that's just one little microcosm of what goes on. But each day is really a lot of fun. And seeing projects like yours that that and that generate from campus but will involve others throughout the league, that's really neat because that sense of fellowship and friendship that develops amongst the schools is really fun to see it evolve. People are competitors, but there there are also some neat bonds that that form amongst coaches and administrators throughout this league, which is fun to watch.
0: Absolutely. And we were only, you're our third guest now, and we're already having so much fun with with expanding this community of people in sports. And I think it's awesome for uh, young women and women in general to hear what a commissioner does. And because I think that it shows you don't have to be a coach or an athletic director to work in sports. There's a lot more opportunities and your career has shown that and and throughout your career you've talked about your support system and the other females that that work in the industry and i think you called them dear friends in the an interview which i think is is great that you're all competitors but you can still have this bond so kind of a two-part question share a little bit about the support system with the other female commissioners ads, just in the field and then Talk about your experience in seeing females in those positions from growing up, not seeing them, and then in your position now, just seeing them expand.
2: What has been neat about the path that I've been fortunate to be on is that many of the women I grew up with professionally ended up being on a similar path. So we've been friends for years. And and so upon getting this job, there was an immediate network of support from the other women that have been in this position. And what I have seen as additional females have entered the commissioner's ranks We've been very generous as a group to open our arms and welcome them and to be part of that broader network. Um, the commissioners ranks in and of themselves, like I, I need to be fair, there's only 32 of us. So the men are pretty terrific as, as, as well and very supportive because these are somewhat unique jobs. But from the female networking standpoint, especially in the beginning when there were fewer, um, really supported one another. We met periodically. A number of them lived up in the Northeast. I would fly up periodically to spend time with them just to talk through issues and, and make sure that there was support. But um, while the conferences compete, I never, ever, ever get a sense that we are competitors in all of this. We We are are really friends that share information and try to learn from one another. And what I find really gratifying is to this day, we still really try to learn from one another through this process. So it's less about, oh, I'm having this problem. Can you, can you help me deal with that? There's some of that periodically, but it's much more about I've tried this, this has been successful, or can you get me to this resource or what are you doing in terms of promoting and, Inclusion initiatives, what fun experiences have you had would be really a good example. So knowing that I have that group of friends I can rely on at any point in time to work through issues and get ideas is really, really comforting. Um, And I don't know how you do any of these jobs um, if you don't have a level of support. So I I think as we all get busy and and life gets busier, whatever your role, it's imperative that you are attentive to your network that you continue to give it energy, that you don't take it for granted because it's easy when you get busy to say you don't have time for some of that outreach and that's the exact time where you do need that, that level of support. Um, I said it earlier in our conversation, it really it just absolutely makes me delighted though that 11 years in, the fact that there are so many females in these roles that it isn't newsworthy that it, that it isn't the aberration that people focus on. Um, it just shows that we've made progress. Now there's so much more progress that needs to be made, but I'm, I'm delighted in my lifetime, I've been, been able to witness that. And um, I think these commissioner roles, uh, because so many of us, we've, we've shown that you can do it. We're starting to see progress in the AD's ranks as well. So it, it's, it's been fun to be a part of it And certainly I commend you for even talking about this role because I'd encourage anybody who'd be interested in conference work, working in athletics, to do a little bit more digging. Um, It's kind of a blend between being on a campus and dealing with all those immediate issues and then dealing with the policy matters that the NCAA focuses on. You get a little bit of of both worlds. And so I've enjoyed it. I've had stops on the campus level, conference level, and national level. And I think I've been happiest in this conference space. I've definitely enjoyed working with your staff. Um, it's been a lot of fun to
1: collaborate with them. We, you know, we've just this past year. There's been so many different um, committees created and an effort to help continue to inspire excellence within our conference. And so it's been it's been a lot of fun for me personally. And I know Sarah's, you know, being a coach in the OVC. I don't want to. I won't put words in your mouth, but I would, I would think that you guys have a really cool um, connection with all the coaches, especially in volleyball.
0: Absolutely. I know that in sending out emails and talking, because we, we start competition uh, in less than a week, and we're all so excited. It's definitely a good community to be in, uh, in the OVC.
2: So I'm, I'm glad, glad you're starting. I'm, I'm glad we're here. We're better doing, right? We're better doing than... Than, um planning to do. It's, it's a lot more fun and we'll learn as we go once we get started, but I'm just so glad that next week is here. Um, the unsung heroes and all of us are our athletics trainers and our medical professionals who have just done yeoman's duty already and are still going to actually have even more on their plates to be able to move forward. So I want to give them a shout out in our discussion because they really a lot for us
0: absolutely athletic trainers are heroes in my book every day
1: well beth i I would like to uh revisit something i know you just shared your path and your story but um you know i was able to watch a video of a speaking engagement that you had and one thing that definitely inspired me and um it, it was a quote that you shared and it said This is when you were at that time in your life when you were trying to decide if you were going to take the OVC commissioner's job. And you told yourself, I don't have any choice. As a female working in intercollegiate athletics, I will never have a leadership opportunity again if I turn this down. And more importantly, if I turn this down, other women aren't going to have this opportunity either. I mean, that spoke to me clearly because you know, my career path was a lot, you know, I started in college athletics, I stepped away from it, I worked in the corporate world, and then coming back to it, I was given an opportunity, and it's very similar to what I thought, like, this is our passion, I just, i like you to kind of expand on that,
2: and share with women out there, you know, I being, oh, and, and again, it, it's a privilege, the privilege to be given opportunities, and be able to take them, it's, it's you know, I, I, less to be able to be in a position to be able to move and accept an opportunity and accept the challenge. And I readily admit that everybody has all that flexibility to be able to do it. But when you can to open yourself up to opportunities that may bring you joy and be mindful that people watch people watch and, and even, you know, the years back when people talk about, you know, who's a role model people watch if you don't know it and you have a responsibility to, present yourself in a way that other people can learn from your example and it's something that you do every day whether you appreciate it or not so being responsible that, to that piece and, and as a female while we have made progress we s- certainly have additional progress to make so continually being mindful that we have responsibilities to help people open their minds up to opportunities that may be there to encourage people to accept challenges that may come their way. I said it earlier about making certain we don't get caught up in that loop to say, I have to be perfect before I step out there to take a chance, to be open to accepting chances and being open to making yourself just accessible to people that they can talk through issues and explore opportunities. I know I am blessed. I know I'm fortunate and even on the toughest day I am still abundantly blessed in ways that I can never forget to be able to do this. I think our opportunity, all three of us, to be involved with intercollegiate athletics and to help people learn about themselves and about what they can accomplish and what their absolute potential and life is, is absolutely a tremendous way to serve. And that's genuinely the way I envision my role. I have been fortunate to work in this league, but ultimately what we are doing is helping students learn about themselves and how they can grow and their full potential and in the process, and this is consistent with what we said in the league during our last strategic planning, exercise is to say how students can learn more about themselves to be able to give back to the community as well. So they're contributing members of society. Gosh, in your lifetime, if somebody could tell you you could help people find some of the the most impactful experiences of their life that shape who they become, that it, it, some of the period of life that brings them the most joy, what an honor to be able to do that and to serve in this role. So I absolutely, embrace the fact that we've been given an opportunity to serve there. And that's the way I approach what we do. So we can, you know, talk about, you know, softball fields and, you know, we're gonna wipe down volleyballs and all of that, which seems sometimes very basic discussions. Having said that though, at its core, we're trying to give student athletes this opportunity to really grow and shine. And I um, look at our ad, That we have for the conference this year and it really just talks about the community and and giving back and i smile every time i see it because it's not an obvious ad for a conference but i think that's who we are and certainly that's who i want for us to be and um you know i would say to anybody listening in who is either in a job or contemplating a job or looking at their career to you know trying to find joy i read a book when i was really young about you know find your passion and the money will follow it's not the money issue it's like find your passion and, and your joy for life will follow and the rest just kind of takes care of it's, itself and so i i i appreciate every day i'm on a pretty good ride that bring, brings lots of happiness and and i hope that example is is helpful to others
0: i love that Find your passion and the joy will follow. If we can teach young people that I think we're doing our jobs.
2: Absolutely. 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 And I know both of you in both of you do that and seeing your great smiles Joy with doing this project that it really is tremendous to be able to to send these messages to the students that we work with and the young professionals as well. You know, there's that transition period from when you graduate from college to kind of finding your path that we need to make sure that we're attentive. That's 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 a hard transition sometimes to keep encouraging people to keep looking for their passion and continue to explore what, what could make them happy. Cause like I say, I'm proof positive that your your path will take some twists and turns along the way.
0: Well, Beth, we have kind of a fun segment that we like to end all of our shows with. Okay. Uh, we call this tunnel talk with Sarah and Sarah. It's kind of like rapid fire questions at the end, uh, just to get to know a little bit more about you personally, just, just some more about Beth. So Sarah you want to get us started?
1: Okay all right favorite time of
2: year? Springtime I absolutely love all the flowers and the golf courses opening up and people being out and about and just all all the smiles and all our spring sports it's just fun. Okay. My follow-up question is going to
0: be what's the best golf course that you've ever played?
2: that I've ever played. Um, my family for the longest time has had a villa down in Hilton Hill, South Carolina, right near the uh, Heritage Golf Course. And so that's been uh, a real treat for me. And it's one of my favorite places to, to go. And I'm hopeful after the pandemic, I can spend a little bit of time down there and take those golf clubs out and enjoy and enjoy the golf course.
1: What's your favorite ice cream flavor?
2: Oh, heavens, Um, butter pecan. Do you have any pets? I don't. When I was a young girl, though, I grew up, I had a dog that lived, to, I believe she was 22. And I I got her when I was five. I named her after my swimming teacher at the time, my aunt's best friend. So my dog wasn't named Spot or or anything like that. My dog was named Pamela Diane. (laughs) Love it. That's awesome, 22. I think we
0: all wish our pets would live to be 22.
1: What's the last show you binged? And I, I'm sure there's not a lot of time that you spend watching TV, but have you binged on a series or anything?
2: So um, I haven't finished this rendition of it, and you're right, there hasn't been a lot of time to binge, but I did enjoy lo- watching The Crown on Netflix. I had gone to school, I had gone to law school in London, So, you know, there's always been a little bit of interest in England, and and so I've enjoyed that.
1: Nice.
0: All right. You have 30 minutes to fit in a workout. What do you decide to do?
2: Well, um, right now, I um, recently broke an arm, so I'm not doing any lifting weights. So I'll either uh, uh, go for a long walk outside or go for a run.
1: We'll wrap this up with uh, one last question. How, if you had one word to describe
2: your leadership, what would it be? Collaborative. I don't know that I've ever answered a question in one word. So that, that was hard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Beth, we have so enjoyed our conversation. We can't wait for the listeners to hear all about your journey and your role as a commissioner. And we hope that it really sparks some more interest for people to get involved in intercollegiate athletics and athletics in general.
2: Well, again, thank you both for your effort and your inclusion. And again, I, I I leave you with saying, I know I've been fortunate, but I too would encourage um, anybody interested in intercollegiate athletics, be it coach, administrator, to really pursue a career because we are really fortunate to be able to do what we do. And we get the extra blessing in that we get to do it at this conference and at Morehead State. So we're at good places with good people. Definitely.
1: Thank you, Beth, so much. Thank you. Well, we are so thankful to have Commissioner DeBush be our guest today. And uh, we are are also very grateful to be able to work with her every day. So um, we hope that everybody enjoyed that conversation with Beth.
0: I think it's a great, great story of following your own path in that all of our paths might be different. And Commissioner DeBush, her path took her through law school, uh, through a law career, and then through a a really cool career in intercollegiate athletics. And that's her path. And that's awesome. But, uh, you know, my path was very different from Sarah's Sarah's path is very different from other people in her Mm -hmm. position but understand that your path is is what you want it to be and it can lead you in lots of different directions it's not just a straight road sometimes we got to go around some curves to get to where we're headed
1: yeah I absolutely agree with you I guess my message never stop if you are not happy try something new. As athletes, we were, we could quickly just say, oh, that bat doesn't work. Let me get a new bat. Okay. But why can't you do that? You know, don't be scared. If you are not, or haven't found what your passion is, you still have time. Um,
0: Absolutely. And, you know, as Beth said, she wrote a book early on that said, uh, if you follow passion, money will follow. But then she said, after my experiences, I would edit that to say, if you follow your passion, joy will follow. We're all trying to find that joy in our lives. So thank you for listening this week on Women Wins.
1: Yep. Make sure to remember, send us um, your positive and send us your challenges. We want to hear from you. So Uh, Make sure to DM us, follow us on Women Wins on all our social media platforms or shoot us an email at womenwinsinfo at gmail.com. And uh, we look forward to being with you next week. We'll see you next time on Women Wins.